Welcome to the Heart of Healing, the pandemic episodes. I'm your host, Tom Fold. In these episodes, we'll meet loving, talented people who, while coping with their own pandemic stress, are offering others understanding, compassion, love, and ways to relax and heal, even under the weight of current conditions. Listen with an open heart to those who, in this time of crisis, are offering their hearts and talents to us all. We're so happy today to have Carolina Labricute here with us, who is a holistic life coach. Welcome, Carolina. Hello. Thanks, Tom, for having me. Well, thank you for being here. So that, that's very interesting. I've heard holistic healer in many ways, but a hist- holistic life coach is the first term, new term for me. Tell me about it. So a life coach helps people to figure out their life. And a holistic life coach basically takes every aspect of a life and works on that. So in my case, I work mind, body, and spirit. So when someone works with me, we work on all three aspects, on the physical aspect, on the psychological aspect, and on the spiritual aspect, because in my opinion, and many other psychotherapists, uh, there is no such a thing as you know just one aspect of a human being. It's all intertangled. So you can't just plug one out, do something with it, and not affect the whole thing. Uh, so that's right. what the holistic life coach does. We take your whole life and figure out what you want to do with every aspect of it. <laughs> okay. Well, it's not as you say. It's not like having a broken arm and you just bandage the arm. The whole body is involved. The whole so social well, life. Everything. Yes, but even let's take your example of a broken arm. Okay, let's so you do break it. an arm, right? right? And you think it's just a broken bone, but by breaking that arm, you also affected the nerves and veins, right. which guess what are attached to your nervous system, which guess what is attached to your brain. So now, while you're healing that arm, you're also pulling on all of those connections in your brain, which is why functional um, physical therapy is so important. So that's your aspect of your arm. But now that you broke your arm, someone has to help you do X, Y, Z. So now you're affecting your whole social social environment because you, let's say, if it's your right arm and you are right-handed, now you are much more limited in what you can do. So now someone is needed to help you in some aspects. So now you're working less. So that affects your other aspects of life. So just a broken arm is not just a broken arm. It's a series of events attached to that event and then you have to play mind games with you know rehabilitation for it how do you get those that arm to move again if it's a joint right if it's not just a straight bone but let's say you broke an elbow now you have to get your range from motion that's a lot of work so how do you get over obstacle of discomfort because physical therapy very often is discomfort because you have to push Um, how do you rebuild the strength those are your habits how do you come back to what you were doing before? So it's not just a broken arm. It affects everything around you and in you. Absolutely. And there's a piece of it, which I know is there, which is spiritual. It's like when we come up against these problems, there's a place within us we have to go, I guess, to find the strength, the spiritual, whatever. Yes. And, you know, very often I'm personally a survivor of a car wreck that left me with a very serious TBI. And That was my pivot moment, but uh, we also ask ourselves, you know, where can I go spiritually? But then there's also that little question, why me, right? Right. What was the purpose of it? And why is this happening to me? Or, you know, uh, depending on your spiritual belief system, and there are many, depending on religion or no religion, you know, 
all of that takes has to be taken into consideration. But spiritually, even energetically, you know, where uh, that broken arm causes shift in your energy. Now you have, I mean, something broke that arm, you probably fall down or something hit it, right? So you had an impact with another object that energy transfers to the point of breaking a bone. Bones just don't crack unless you have serious osteoporosis. But, um, it, you, you know, it's there is so many layers to it again. So yes, the spiritual mind game as well of how does that fit onto my path? Where right. on my journey and my path is it? Well, yeah, I was thinking about that. I, I agree with you, the why, you know, why me? But also, how about support? Do how many people that you deal with have, feel they have spiritual support for not just the broken arm, maybe they're obviously going to go to a doctor and have that fixed, but all these things you're talking about, the repercussions of having broken your arm, the reorganizing of your life is a whole new change. And, and usually people don't respond well to change but we need to find something within us to help us to be supportive. Yes. And, you know, it's also the piece of trust that everything will work out. Right. Trust in a higher power, whatever that higher power in your belief system is. Right. But trust, you know, very often those situations really also show up not only in, um, they show up who, who do you have in your court, right? Who, who is really behind you to support you? But it's also the spiritual journey of, I have the trust that this happened for a reason. I don't have to control everything constantly. I can let go a little and I trust that things will work out the way they're supposed to work out. And I think in current uh, times, that's a huge obstacle for people to let go. Absolutely. And have that trust. Because we are used to being behind the driving wheel. We are used to, you know, cell phones. We used to cars. We used to computers where we are constantly, we are deciding what we're clicking on. We are deciding which path we're taking. Right. And all well, of a sudden you have to say, oh, wait. And I'm really the one in a, behind the steering wheel. Yeah, and you're talking, at the example we're using here is you broke your right arm, you are right-handed. And now you have, have help doing things you would normally do or not do them. And then who are you if you're not doing these things? That's, that's a biggie. You know, for me, um, I used to work very heavily and predominantly my PhD was with autistic population, with people on a spectrum right. from the youngest age to the, uh, to the oldest. And, you know, all my medical team basically says, you can't do that anymore. You can't work in a situation that there is even the slightest chance that you're going to get hit on the head. And if you ever worked, and I used to work with very severe populations, right. there is a big chance of getting hit on the head. Yeah. Uh, so then if, if I'm not that, then who am I? That's yeah. right. That's the big if, question. If, 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 if it's the same, if I'm not right-handed, then who am I? Left-handed? Uh, where do I fit? But we forget that we have two hands. They're just tools. Exactly. Uh, you know, we can, we can adapt and human body and human mind are very good at adapting. Human brain is very good at adapting. It takes time and that comes back to that, you know, we live in an instant gratification zone. Um, but neuro rehab takes time. And it's the same with pivoting. And I think the current, you know, situation with the virus and all of that brought it very forward that 
a lot of us had to pivot. Right. We had to shift from going to work to working from home. Um, currently have a lot of clients who are either in process of divorce or did divorce, had the, have the divorce in the last two years because being locked up with a spouse for 18 months in a house proved not to be the match that they thought they was. Right, you right. Know, it's, it's a little different when both parties work for the hours and they meet, you know, in the middle. They meet in the middle, exactly. It was like and, we have, my wife and I, we have a 24-year-old daughter who during the first part of the pandemic was living with us. She had graduated from college and she was living with us. But after six months, I think, she came to us and said, look, I've got to move. I mean, I love you dearly, but either I'm going to kill myself or kill you. We've got to get, I've got to get somewhere else. You know, it's funny because um, when I moved back to, I, I, st I studied in the United States in high school and then I got my education in Europe, but my parents were still in States. And after my PhD, I moved back to States and I was staying with my parents for a good chunk, just taking a gap six months or a year, you know, uh, still going back and forth between Europe. And I have to say, after so many years of living not with my parents, you know, my mom will be like, what time are you going to be home? I'm like, what? You know, I'm in my late 20s. What? <laughs> it's like, well, that, that's exactly right. My you know, daughter, while younger, and that's, had been four years at college where she was free to go where she needed to go or wanted to go. Yeah, I was past my PhD status. So we were already past I, that. I was like <laughs> master and PhD. So I literally was probably 29, you know, right, and yeah. lived alone for the last eight years. And and all of a sudden, um, the what? <laughs> you right. know? Well, but you, you've, had, you've had experience, obviously, with pivoting and moving from one world to another. And this, what we're dealing with now, this pandemic, which is two years plus going now, um, has caused many people to pivot, as you said, but not only the pivot as to what will I do next is who am I? Again, if I'm not my the accountant or whatever you know category of work you do, because we can't do that now for some reason. Uh, I'm not a theater actor, although currently actors are coming back to Broadway, but still for a long, long time, they couldn't do that what they were. What do they do? How, how, how have you found that? Have you found uh, in your work in this last year and a half or so, have you found clients who are really straight struggling with that pivoting? I've had a lot of clients with that were in the process of pivoting. Uh, my mentoring side of my business, because I'm a life coach, but I also mentor other coaches. Um, a lot of my clients were pivoting and they really needed fast. So for example, I've coached a um, few nurses who just couldn't take it anymore and decided to pivot into holistic uh, holistic nurse coaching uh, and wellness coaching. Um, but, you know, I think situations like that, as painful as they are, they're very beneficial because they truly, they peel the onion and they, they force you to really get to the core of who you are. Right, because we tend to be in a comfort zone. Very often, we get hooked in one profession or one um, activity, and it becomes a habit. You know, I I pivoted from special needs, from predominantly ISD, but ISD, ADHD, you know, Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, all of that. I work with all those populations. But um, if you look at it from a perspective, I haven't pivoted that much. I'm still right. using the same knowledge. I'm still using the same. I'm still a healer at heart. I always was. 
I'm just using it on a different population. Um, obviously, we have a little different tools and a little different twist. And very often we forget that we are not necessarily our profession. Right. Right. That's the who am I? Why? What's my biggest mission in life? The profession, I will give you an example. I, I was working with a lady who is a mortgage broker. She helps you if you want to refinance your house or buy a house. Right. She's an excellent person. And we had a deep conversation and that person said, you know, I want us always to be X, Y, Z. And I said, but you are that. And she's like, no, I'm working in a mortgage, but I'm like, but you are a helper. You're helping people in an extremely stressful situation because if you ever had to buy a house, you know how stressful that is. That's right. <laughs> you know, to navigate the pile of paperwork, bless your heart, I hate bureaucracy. So, you know, and, and get it all done and get that first house or that second house or, you know, or, or a place to live. And, and, she, and it clicked because the, what, the profession is, is the logistics. Right. The profession is the, you know, the, the form, right? If you are an artist, you can be a sculptor, you, you can be the painter, or right. you can be both. They just forms of the same expression of artistic abilities. Um, and it's the same with professions. And very often we forget that we have skills and we can pivot to wherever those skills, you know, we can move. Now, is that some of what you do with people when you come to them and they're looking for your help to show them what their skills are, what they really are doing? So, yes, partially, yes, that is. And I do have some tools that I can flesh out also executive functions, which is a very fancy word for your working memory, time management, basically what I fancy called adulting, <laughs> you know. Right. Um, but um, so I have tools that I can flesh out some of that. And um, I have tools that I can flesh out some of the profession, right? But really, truly what I start with, and that's with every client, is with your why and your principles. Right. And then we go from there. And then we discover your values because principles don't change. That's your moral compass. That's, you know, truly who you are, the core. Mm -hmm. um, the values change. Let's say when I was in my 20s, I value tango dancing and partying and right. horseback riding. Now that I'm a mother of two, I value family time, you know, and sleeping at nine o'clock because I have to get up at five. Uh, I still like dancing, but it's not twice a week, right? Yes. You know, it's so the values change. Um, but my core beliefs of family and friends haven't just the manifestation of them good. So I do that with all my clients. We go very deep, uh, we really dig deep, um, and then we figure out the logistics. You right. Know, well, so how, the values lead you to goals. And how open are your clients? I mean, obviously it must be somewhat, or they wouldn't be, you wouldn't be working with them, but how open are they to go deep? Because going deep Well, is... that's, you know, that's very interesting. Um, I My motto is, I meet you where you are, you know, and help you get what you want. Right. Um, and some people are really down here, down in the drain, you know, and just may come down and say, you know, I'm getting fired from a job because I'm late again. <laughs> right. Right. And some people are already very high in the journey. And uh, we work on meditation. We work on um, 
a little more of that spiritual aspect of life, you know, and, and flushing that out. So it really depends on the person. I, I don't discriminate. Um, I still work, interestingly, every time I say I'm done with autism, I will get a highly functioning person on the spectrum. Yes. <laughs> you know, or someone with ADHD or some, I still work with neurodiversities if they, if people with those um, show up. I have few clients who are gifted, which is also, you know, very high IQ, which is a whole different set of, um, mm. uh, set of issues. Um, and yeah, so uh, to answer your question, people are on their journey where they are. And, you know, some are ready to do some really deep work and, you know, go into things like, um, who is my neighbor in my head, right? Whose right. voice am I hearing? Uh, a little bit of that Mike, Michael Zygmer of, you know, of um, my core, who, who really I am and what's my mission. And, and some people just really want the kids to start behaving and, you know, they want to lose weight and they want to have more energy and, uh, and keep a job or get a job and figure out which side is up. And that's fine. Well, yes, it is. But there's a lot of different qualities that you have to have to help in all of these different areas. Well, it comes with 20 years of experience and also an interesting education. So my master is in psychology and my PhD is in physical therapy, which combines um, rehabilitation, which combines physical therapy and occupational therapy. Fascinating. Uh, so I truly, my college education, my formal education is truly um, encompasses the whole human being. Um, right. And I do use a lot of bio, you know, um, biohacks um, like Beamer or other things. And um, so that's, uh, that's, that's that. And then, and just, you know, always learning, uh, always reading, always exploring. And um, there are some clients that I say no to, and those will be a very clinical clients. So I am not a therapist, I'm a life coach. So right. if someone shows up with a severe depression, unless they have a therapist that I can cooperate with, I will say no, because that's a clinical work. I'd be crossing legal boundaries. And it's a different type of work. Um, I have two clients right now that also have a team that I'm part of. Mm -hmm. I'm the coach and they have a psychiatrist and a psychologist as well working on that stuff. Right. And we just work on living, <laughs> basically. Uh, but uh, so I, I hope that answers your question of, you know, why such, such a broad angle? Well, yeah, it does. And, and I'm glad to hear that as a, you know, places for people to find the extra help that they need, which is wonderful. And uh, for you, what is it that attracts you to this? What is it that, that reaches you? No, it's the deep why. So even when I was a child, and I know that's a cliche, but... Uh, somewhere, I think in the in the first and second grade, I knew that I want to do something with living. So I was always into animals and humans, and you know. Um, somewhere in the end of elementary school, I knew I wanted to work with people. Then, in, just before the end of high school, I still was kind of on a border vet or MD. <laughs> And I did an apprenticeship in hospital and I decided that I don't do well with people dying on me. Okay. <laughs> that was not something that at that time I could handle very well. 
And so I kind of gave up on an idea of medicine because if you go to medicine, that just comes with the territory. Uh, and I also, the veterinary side of that, I realized that I don't want to be a small vet, small animal vet. I wanted to, and I, my PhD is actually on putting people on a spectrum on horses. And, uh, you know, so I always was into big animals and farm animals. And, but I was born in Warsaw, you know, in the middle of a city. Um, so it's kind of hard to be a big animal vet when you're living in a city. In a city, uh, yeah. Yes. So <laughs> it's it just following a path. I, I started my college in, in States and I moved to Poland. So I started, um, I transferred and I finished my interdisciplinary study in psychology. And then I pivoted to PT because clients knock on the wall, they don't die. I mean, they do sometimes, but- Well, um, eventually we've all do, but not right away. You know, I mean, if you, as I said, I worked with population anywhere from six months to 70 plus. So that 70 plus sometimes had the tendency to leave us, but um, but for a different reasons. And less than, let's say, if you're working in a hospital. Yes, yes. And so it's I very... found my path and, you know, and, um, and that's my, my core is a healer. That's uh, the modality is a modality. Um, yes. And my motto is I help those, uh, I help underdog. I mm. always, I was always the one standing up to the bullies and I was always the one standing up for the people that, um, to the underdogs and, you know, and bring them there to high, to highest potential that they can have. And do you find that people who are coming to you fit that category a lot? A lot, yes. Um, you know, it's, it's, for example, the people who, um, I've had few clients who, because of working with me, discovered they, they are on a spectrum. Mm-hmm. They're just very highly functioning on a spectrum. And let's say 20 years ago, 30 years ago, uh, it wasn't that popular and they f- snuck through the cracks. Um, but that explained to them a lot why do they always feel like the outdog, you know, right. like that odd duck that doesn't fit into the puzzle. What's um, same with some of my clients who are gifted. Um, people look at giftness, you know, very high IQ as a gift mm-hmm. without understanding that that gift very often comes with, first of all, what we call twice exceptionalism, which very often gifted people are also, let's say, ADHD. Or, you know, because that processing speed goes with other things. But also, it makes for a lonely world. Mm -hmm. Because when you're operating here and everyone else is here, and this is not, you know, like to disperse, but uh, even making the social connections in school is hard because you're talking physics and your friends are playing toys, (laughs) right? Right. So... uh, so there is always that kind of a learning of, again, not belonging. Um, and I think I attract a lot of clients like that. You know, I attract, for example, nurses who have enough of the system because they see the flaws and they don't want to mold. Um, or therapists who have the same, that you know, they look at the systematic problems and they say, we can't, this is killing me, right? I can't operate in this environment. Right. Um, so again, that odd duck that doesn't necessarily feel fit into the me- mainstream. But it's the universe saying, I, I recognize you and sending you the people you will work, you will work well with. It's interesting that you said that I'm Christian. So my, my values are Christian. I'm raised Catholic. Um, 
And um, one of my daily affirmation is I help people who Lord puts in front of me. Mm -hmm. I stopped debating of, you know, why. <laughs> and it may be helping them through working with them, but it may be also helping them through referring them out. Correct. Connecting them to something else or networking them within a group of people. So it doesn't necessarily have to be direct work with me, but my one of my affirmations is I help people that Lord puts in front of me without internal dialogue of should I, could I, why, why me, you know, my plate is full, blah, 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 wherever the hamster can spin. Right. Um, so that's, um, that's kind of... Um, that's when I stop. I stop fighting. And it's much easier to leave when you stop fighting everything, when you just go with the flow and Let enjoy the ride. Yes, <laughs> go with the flow, as they say. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Well, you've been in the middle of a, of a different kind of flow. We all have for the last year and a half, two years. In the pandemic, what have you seen that give you hope? Uh, we know we see a lot of difficulties, but there are also things that seem to be bringing us towards a, a picture of hope in some cases. Have you seen any of that? And what, do you, what is it like? Oh, yes. So I've seen a lot of people reconnecting and really coming down from uh, really realizing what's important and really realizing what's um, what are the priorities and principles in life, right? So very often, um, I also work with organizations. So sometimes we, you know, some of the employers right now have difficulty maintaining people because people realize that they don't want to be at work 60 hours a week. Right. They don't want to be glued in an office. They want to see their children, be with their children. They want to be able to go out and hike and um, I don't know if you camp, but if you're trying to go camping right now, it's insane. All the campsites are basically reserved already. You know, right. it's, uh, it's it's people reconnect with nature. Basically, I think a lot of that shift is back to nature and back to basics. We start going back to what really counts and maybe get a little bit of that rat race off of that, you know, and, and, and stop and pause and realize, think, Another good thing from my perspective is that a ton of people realize how important their health is, right. but also they realize that you are the only person responsible for your health. You know, what you eat, what you do, that affects you. And there will be situations when the doctors will not be able to help you. And you have to start by helping yourself, but you yes. have to know what it is you can do, though. And, and I think you can help people with that. Yes. So, you know, the healthy habits or how to change them, how to change them. I'm a huge opponent of diets. <laughs> you right. know, I, I always work from a lifestyle perspective. Diets don't work. There is a reason why diets are a billion dollar industry because they don't work people cycle back you yes. know it's 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 changing the shift and again it's not just looking at the diet but connecting it why do you want to lose this weight and i i bet you people can relate you go to the doctor and they tell you to lose weight and you says yeah 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 i will but you really have to i know my wife is also a health coach but she talks about having to change your relationship to food which is different well, that's true but I always say that your why has to be stronger than your excuse. Yes, yes, uh, Because it's hard work. Why do you want to... Um, I'm going to shift my laptop a little because the sun is having 
interesting okay. side effects. Um, it, why, you know, if your why is not stronger than your excuses, your excuses are going to win. Always, always. You know, there is always chocolate to be bought and there is always ice cream to be had. And neurologically, we are wired to respond to those dopamine cycles and, you know, sugar hits same spots neurologically as cocaine does. Right. Uh, so, you know, it, it's much easier to sit on the couch and watch TV than go walk for an hour. Um, so... What I do with my clients is we really dig for the why, but then I also give you baby steps, right? The doctor, you go to the doctors, they tell you lose 20 pounds. Right. I tell you, eliminate one junk food out of your life. That makes it a lot easier. And then once we're done with that one, we're going to go to the next one. Go to two, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I, I, um, I became gluten-free, you know, and... I mean, I was capable of doing it called Turkey and really, but it was drastic and I cheated and my body told me what, I, what it thinks about it. And then I didn't cheat because the pain levels were so high, but uh, that's called, you know, negative reinforcement, right? Or positive reinforcement, actually, in that case, when, uh, uh, or positive punishment, uh, when you add gluten to my body, the punishment is really high. Right. Uh, but are there days, you know, when I'm in a store and say it would be so much easier when I could just grab something and not read the label um you know it's um it's a challenge it's a, a challenge but you see i don't look at it as a challenge i look at it as a choice a choice uh, yeah. and i look at it as a self-respect because an ability to listen to your body because my body is telling me that it doesn't like it right so right. Uh, one of my physical therapists has this sign on her desk and it says Listen to your body's whispers so it doesn't have to scream. Yes, yes. Right? Lovely. Listen to those little hints. And the same with your psychology. If something feels... Mm, trust it. Trust it. Like, go with the instincts. You know, I, uh, we, we brought up in an era when, you know, when an uncle wanted a kiss, you had to give them a kiss. I bring up my children, like, if you don't want to hug someone, you don't have to hug them. If your gut is telling you you don't want to interact with a person, you don't have to interact with the person, you know, uh, because we, we tend to, sometimes that social aspects, right? It has to be a balance between um, what our intuition, and that's the spiritual work, right? right? What our intuition tells us and what the social norm is. Yeah, there are pressures from all sides. But as, as you say, you're very clear on following your heart, following your instinct, knowing who you are. And that's wonderful. And I think I teach also the understanding that you are not a pizza. Right. <laughs> not everyone is going to like you, you know. Uh, so find the people that will support you on the journey you want to be. Find the people that you resonate with. And... As you evolve, and we all do, some people will step out of your life and make space for new people that will fulfill your journey. Right. And that's yeah. also a wonderful thing, right? Um, I've heard that, that someone say that is go to where it's warm. Could you repeat that? Go to where it's warm. Yes. Don't, don't you know, warm uh, people, people warm up things that you will feel warm about. It's also go with the flow. Well, that's <laughs> Which is, you know, go with the flow of, if I have to constantly do this, that's probably not necessarily my path. 
Yeah, if you're bucking, right? fighting, it, fighting, fighting, fighting is not where you want to be going. You know, it, it does so many things on so many levels to your nervous system, to your psychology. But it, it's the same in social situations. If you have to try to make people like you, they're probably not your people. Right. You know? right. Um, don't change yourself to, you know, don't change yourself to the point of um, unrecognizable to yourself, right? That's right. Be yourself yeah. again. Say Be yourself and find your plan, find yeah. your network. Well, this is wonderful. I really, Carolina, this has been excellent. It's amazing. It's, the time has zipped by, as it always does. And we're near the end here. And before we end, I want to ask you if people who are listening are interested in getting in touch and learning more from you about you or what you're doing, how's the best way for them to reach you? Well, um, the easiest way is to go to helptogrowinstitute.com. Helptogrowinstitute.com. And you can find me or you can just write down that name on a piece of paper and Google me and my webpage, my LinkedIn and everything else will pop out. Popping out. (laughs) Popping out uh, really easily. And you can email me at info at Help to Grow Institute. Um, You know, and we can start the journey from there or we can collaborate. I'm always open to, um, to conversations and having fun like I had today with you, Tom. That's quite wonderful. I thank you so much for being here, for sharing your your insights and your your vast knowledge over years of different experience. I'm glad to very glad to talk to you. Take good take good care now. Thank you and thank you for having me. Bye. Goodbye now. Bye.